afternoon and welcome to the Pogo Volt Podcast. I'm Belly Bolt VGC, also known as Tyler, here with my co-host Chris Titan Nexus. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. We have a very exciting podcast for you guys today. Uh, I do have a new mic. I don't know if you can notice. Go ahead, Tyler. Uh, let's jump straight into some of these talking points. Yeah. So. Last weekend, we had Peoria Regionals that had passed. Uh, I was there competing in Peoria, played in the PC, in the actual event. Um, I did miss the midseason showdown, but we had some of our friend group that played in that. It was a really fun tournament, probably one of the best that I had outside of like my actual performance. It was one of the best experiences I had just hanging out with my friends, you know, getting a lot of interviews, meeting some players that I had been interacting with for you know several months in the community but hadn't actually got to speak to so that was really cool um i played a really interesting clefairy backs team that i had a ton of fun with that just wasn't up to the meta at the time uh, i had some really cool interviews and sit downs with players like nick navarre uh also known as nails we will have a special interview that we splice in at the end of this episode from nick i was able to just like i walked outside at one point in day two and was just kind of hanging out and like decompressing a little bit and just sitting at a table by himself over on the side was nick and you know i made the choice to approach him and sit down and have a conversation and it was a really good time awesome player like i said i'll splice that in this weekend we have the sacramento regionals which is honestly a lot of fun titan i'll let you start on talking about that a little bit there's there's a lot to touch base with here yeah so uh we did actually record a podcast episode next week last weekend but we had a lot of uh microphone issues and so we kind of had to scrap the episode unfortunately uh but Peoria was amazing. I can honestly say there wasn't a single bad match on stream. Jumping into Sacramento, Riley Factura in the finals again. Uh, third top cut in a row. Like, this is uh, amazing. He's an amazing honestly. player. That's something, you know, just because you brought up Riley's name, I'll touch base on here. I got to interact with Riley shortly at Peoria and we played in the PC first round. We sat right next to each other and Riley played one of our good friends from the Volt club and just getting to like, kind of, you know, eyes, eyes on sitting right next to him, watching that match. The level of play is just incredible. You know, he's one of those opponents who adapts to other teams really well. And even if it's a bad matchup, he finds his answers and lines into it. So it's very impressive, you know, to see his performance in Peoria firsthand, to come home and watch in Sacramento this, you know, again, putting up this performance and consistency. Yeah. And watching him play against uh, Andrew Ding so many times, uh, that was so incredible. Like he, was able to adjust after losing to him twice in the tournament, uh, once in day one and then again in uh, day two Swiss, and then him come back and be able to adjust and just destroy Andrew. Like, that was so impressive. Andrew went on the 14-0 and run, which, according to the commentators, that's never been done before. Yeah. It's really impressive, and it's... 
it's even more impressive when you look at Riley's team. He's one of the few players that's out here to this day still playing Among Us. Among Us. Sorry, Among Us. <laughs> My brain just went all over the place. But he's still playing Among Us in, an, in a meta where Ogre Pond, you know, was thought to outshine Among Us. He's still very consistently playing that Among Us and playing it really well into the meta. So, you know... There's a lot of players who have talked about how centralized the meta has been very fast in Regulation E and that it's really solidified and hardened. But I don't think that we've seen this hardened meta that everyone's you know, saying that's going to stick around forever because I do think that there's a lot of mons that you know we're, we're seeing wheezing with these incredible performances. You're seeing... Titar with the Psychic Terra having one of the you know craziest performances I've ever seen into one of the most dominant matchups of the entire Scarlet and Violet era. Dondozo has ran the meta, not ran it, but it has been consistent since the meta has began in the very first regulation until now. Dondozo has never really fallen off. It's found its counters and players know how to play it, but you know to see that Titar play into that. And those calcs, that watching that match and really how like, what who was it? Marcus Dion and uh, the other player's name, Donald. I think it was Donald. I'll check on I, that. We'll, we'll fix that in the notes. <laughs> but Marcus Dion Scheider's match, that was an incredible match because both players were sitting there really evaluating how much poison is being taken. Game Game one, there was a heavy poison. Game two, there wasn't. Or game three, there wasn't. So he really had to adjust, you know, how much damage am I taking? Does my bundle live until this turn? And to watch that level of players, it really, as a new player, it opens up your mind to things. But it also, as a player who's been around for a while, really makes you notice the level of these players, you know, on stream sometimes. Really breaking down these calcs of, you know, I'll live this much for one more turn to be able to get a protect off, you know. Or the double protect wins me the game in this situation. And really being able to make those calls is just a call to their, you know, their skill and their talent and the work that they've put in. Because those are things that, you know, without playing a team for a very long time and knowing those calcs and putting in the work, you're not finding success with those things. So it's really wild to see that. Yeah, so we could see a bunch of that on stream with just watching Aaron Andrew uh, so many times yesterday and today. Uh, he was just sit back, relaxed. He knew his Pokemon were going to survive the attack, and he was so comfortable. It, it really goes to show the level of skill right there. And yeah, I agree with you. This meta is not done evolving we got so much more for this yeah yeah there's it's weird to hear people say that too you know to like and i'm not like saying that it it could change like it won't change there's the chance that the meta stays you know the percentages stay roughly the same on a lot of these mons but what i'm not seeing is that there's a hard every single team you're playing is the same exact team. That's how it was for me in regulation C and D. Almost every team was identical. If it wasn't trick room, it was pretty much the same team. If it was trick room, it was pretty much the same trick room team. So it's, you know, outside of Indeedee Arma, there was Crest trick room balance teams. So it, there wasn't that like vast majority or variety in these other metas is to where with the introdu introduction of all these mons, a lot of players had that new toy syndrome in the beginning and, you know, a lot of them fell short, 
but now you're having where <laughs> now you're having these players who you know have had time to test these mons you're seeing wheezing t-tar that now has knockoff you know making a resurgence and players are like how is this good you know i'm not going to see this all the time or this is a this is some niche team that's not niche Knockoff on Tyranitar is very good. And, you know, we've known that in VGC in the past. And knowing that it came back, it, the sand chip, it's just finding the right teams and synergies for these mons and how to make them shine. I, I do believe that there's players out there that will continue to diversify this meta. And I don't think it's as hard locked as we believe. We have to consider that Ogre Pond is three mons. While it's not on, you may see one of those Ogre Ponds on every single four, four mons. It's not on every <laughs> single team, but it's on majority of them, but it's a different version of that. And to me, that variety is a lot more fun than there is Chen Pao, Wo Qian, Chi Yu, and Ting Lu. There were those four. They didn't have different typings or, you know, they had their Terras, but Ogre Pond really opens up a new aspect of the Mon changes types with Terra. It's locked into some of those Terras, but it also gets special defense boost or attack boost based off of it. So those little like niche things into it really added a different level of play to me that for me it's made it a lot more enjoyable even though i'm not succeeding as well as i did in the past regulations i'm enjoying this one a lot more yeah it's a lot more fun to watch too because we're not exactly seeing the same teams every single time up on stream uh you'll have still the three or four different mons that are pretty much the same that everybody uses like your iron hands your flutter main uh but then the rest of them will usually different and then throw on one of the four Ogre Pond teams uh, forms. And there you go. And it's really cool that the meta is so diverse. I don't think there's ever been a time in VGC where the meta, well, where competitive has been so diverse and you can really see a lot more mons stepping up to the plate like wheezing yeah. <laughs> like who would have ever thought wheezing like we did see some galarian wheezing back in shield and sword but it was kind of just like eh. it was yeah it was just a very niche pick but this wheezing this is actually doing something. This dominant. is a competitively valuable mon. Very dominant. And that's really crazy. Yeah, uh, Alex Underhill and uh, Kyle Livinghouse both did amazing with that Pokemon. And I think as more players play with it, the more we're probably going to see it. Because if players are able to learn how to utilize that Pokemon well... I could easily see it winning a regional championship. Yeah, there's a lot of use in it right now. I think that, um, you know, I've made this joke a couple times that Wolf made a tweet a couple weeks ago about having a busted team that he knows he could win a regional with. And I can almost guarantee you that Weezing's on that team. I, a couple of my friends, I don't know how, if they know Kyle or Alex themselves and maybe had the team's pace, um, from them but they you know that as of yesterday they were like i actually have the pace i can run some sets with you against the team so you can get a taste of it before you start seeing it on ladder and i was like you know absolutely so i started running it and like no disrespect to the player but like the last three times that we've ran sets i beat the player who ran this team they 
run the wheezing team and I get full road every single time. So it's a team that like they had no practice with and they four owed me both times. And it's, you know, like I've, I've held my own with this player every other match that we've ever had. But then when it comes down to like this matchup specifically, I can't always be thinking every single turn, Oh, which one of my mons has their abilities now and which one doesn't, you know, can I even use any of these? Like I have to run ability shield. What? Like, you know, it's really wild to think that, like, we may have to start considering this when team building. You know, there it may be a have to now that your Lando has an ability shield on it, not a choice scarf. And that's something, you know, going into the future that players really do have to gauge, you know. Dondozo teams, do you stop running berry recoveries or leftovers and you start throwing on ability shields or onto Tatsugiri, you know? So it's it's really questionable, you know, how do you how do you deal with this and like what is what does the meta look like going forward with some of these like niche changes that we've seen i do think that you know majority overall those mons that do have really high percentage usages you will continue to see a lot of them and their usage stats will stay relevant you know relatively the same but what i you know i'm calling for is seeing a lot of these like niche mons and you know even you see it a lot with the ice mons coming back right now nine tells bringing back backs caliber and Satitan. i saw multiple players make it into you know, almost day two or did day two with Satitan and Bax Caliber in Peoria. And, you know, and then Sack again. Uh, we did see, uh, we did also see a a Lowland Sand Slash as yeah. well that was at the tournament. Someone mentioned on stream. Um, That's crazy. Star Raptor got 10th at Peoria. I think that was Peter, Peter Chen's yeah, team. I played Peter. Uh, yeah. That like, Star Raptor team I was is like, insane. Wow. Yeah, so it's it's really cool seeing all these uh, mons being able to perform, and Terrace made that possible. You, uh, really. dude, my reaction when I sat down in the PC day one, and I sat down, I was like, "Hi, Peter." The second time we've had to play each other, and I was like, "You brought the Raptor? What are you doing?" And then he managed to wipe the field up with me. I took one game off of him. I was like, "Peter, what is up, dog?" I had to walk over to him after the match. I was, a little, you know, I was a little frustrated afterwards. And I walked up over to him after the fact. I was like, "Dude, mad respect," because like watching these players bring stuff like that, and like, you know, I'm working hard to like get make my name and like have my performance one day. I have more fun getting beat by Star Raptor than I do winning my matches. Like seeing someone play at that level with Star Raptor. I want to get there one day. I'm not there right now, but I want to be there, and I need to figure that out because that's something, you know, I'm a belly bolt lover, belly bolt VDC. I'm still to this day, <laughs> it's in my builder, and I'm I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to show up at a regional one day with it. I'm going to, some sauce is happening. But <laughs> I, I still hold firm that uh, when I compete again, I will be using Hisuian Zoroark and Umbreon. Like, I don't care. I'm going to use those two there mods. You go. What, you, you, those are my favorite Pokemon. I'm going to be using hey, them. They're both right behind me. We've seen it time and time again from some of these players. If you, if you have the time, effort, and skill you can put in, you can make those mods work. Yeah, so we do have several new sit-down interviews. Uh, Sticky did like three this weekend, which is absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, Sticky's been killing it. So... One of those will be at the end of this, and then the other two will be in later episodes. Or yeah, we're actually. Uh, we I think the plan is to continue Patreon. releasing them under bonus tapes. 
Um, Sticky has a lot of things going on right now and with working with us in the podcast. Uh, the plan was to originally have Sticky on as a host full-time with, on the regular podcast. Um, schedule conflicts and like a lot of our ideas – I'm a super driven person and have a million ideas on like where to take – you know, the Volt Club and the podcast. And Sticky really helped me kind of step out of, you know, mine and Titan's normal, us covering the news and regionals and the things that we do in the regular podcast on being able to sit down with players intimately for, you know, 40 to 50 minutes at a time and really just kind of let them banter and rant about the things Pokemon that they love and, you know, want to talk about with the community. And that's something on the regular podcast, you know, we – we struggle to do just because of the time that we have to record and, you know, the, the news and the, the things that we want to get across in this podcast. We're not able to with all of that content and having those extended interviews. So it is really nice that Sticky opened up that, you know, pathway for us to be able to put that content out for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And... Our YouTube is currently growing too, and we got Patreon. We got a super exciting tour at the end of this month. We're doing a joint project with Tommy Tuesdays and Tom Hayden. Uh, We had two very, very generous beneficiaries who put up $250 a piece. And we have a $500 prize pool tour at the end of this month. It's spooky styled. Yeah. I'm- so you have to use ghost, dark, poison, or bug Pokemon. Feel free to join it. It's going to be a blast. It's all going to be played on Showdown, too. So you don't have to worry about getting the Pokemon into uh, your cart. You can just play it on Showdown, practice with your friends, and hopefully come out and win some money. Yeah, it's a really exciting tour. I'm I'm really excited for that. Tom hit me up with this idea and I had some like flyers. We were doing the uh we we're helping Tom out to take over for a week on the Tommy Tuesdays and the idea had like come across to Tom and I'd sent them, him a couple flyers um for that one and one of them was like, you know, naturally Halloween themed because we're we're getting that time of year and um you know, Tom loved the flyer and it was really exciting because like this was a painting I had done, you know, a, probably a year ago for Halloween themed and had like played on it and added stuff to it. Um, and my digital artwork is some it's an outlet that I just do for fun. I've never really put it out anywhere. So to have that kind of reaction from something I just do for fun was really cool. And then for Tom to turn it into that whole tour and like really collab with me on like coming up with that, that was awesome you know it's really exciting because it really helps bridge my pathway of like my goals with the volt club and like what we've wanted to do with hosting payouts for some of our tours eventually um we've ho- we hosted a lot of practice tours and things like that but our goal was to eventually move into being able to have bigger payout tours um and that was something that tom's really helped me bridge into that field and uh we actually have a match arena account open for the halloween tour currently so if you would like to see these prize pools be higher and in the future if you would like to see prize pools higher we will be opening up Macharino to all of our tournaments down the road that have payouts uh, there are some links floating around on twitter and i'll add the link in the descriptions of the podcast and on youtube so make sure to check that out uh, if you want to donate to those pools you know a dollar from everyone and 
Tom's community, our community, and the Pokemon community together, small donations go a long way. And this is in return being pumped back into the players. And that's a huge goal of mine is to be helping players reach their goals of going to regionals. You know, whether you're a veteran or a new player, that's our whole goal is the Volt Club eventually with our revenue is putting it back into players and helping them get to events. So that's a really exciting field for us. Make sure to come out and compete on that. Halloween night, October 31st, it's all on Showdown. We'll have the Limitless link up in the description as well. Uh, we will, like Titan said, we have a special interview at the end of this. Um, it is an interview from Peoria with Nick Navarre, also known as Nails. Super good interview. Um, I'm really excited for you all to check that out. Uh, Titan, is there anything else you want to touch base on today? Uh, yes, yeah, so... The payouts also don't just uh, aren't going to be limited to just the uh, what we get for tours. Anything we get from our YouTube or Patreon, it goes right back into the Volt Club and more tours. Uh, as soon as we start getting payout from YouTube, I'm going to put that money back in there as well, so that we can host more bigger tours. Hopefully we can do something close to like a Beast Coast event eventually. Uh, that would be a huge dream of mine, honestly. Uh, I'd like to make my YouTube big enough that we can get to that point that I can have all these other concrete creators like come out and join me and we do something like that because I think that kind of thing for the community is just so great and amazing and it really makes you want to play Pokemon more. Yeah, no, that's a that's something that, you know, that was a whole it's taken a while to for us to build and get to this point now, but it was, you know, a whole part of the goal in me reaching out to have the, you know, Titan start the YouTube. We have Sticky helping with social media and like all these aspects and branches that have kind of branched out. And I really couldn't do that without the gang. You know, everyone in the Volt Club, we have our Patreon supporters, um, we have our judging staff, you know, Zach squish sticky um corpsey and if you if you're interested in judging we're always taking on more judging staff as you know as our goals to grow these and have in-person tours one day we're always looking to have more judging staff so if you're interested you know message us send us an email um but yeah that's something that's a huge goal of mine titan you know that's as time has grown i think you know that I would love to have tours like that. Beast Coast was a huge inspiration to me in starting the Volt Club, you know. So to see them host that event and to eventually be in that place is, you know, really exciting. And seeing that, seeing us make that step closer to that is really rewarding. And thank you to everyone in the community in the Volt Club on Twitter for all your support, you know, our Patreon supporters for continuing to, even though some of the content with us prepping for regionals has really slowed down, we haven't had as many teams. Um, we are ramping that up with like paintings once a month. Uh, we're giving a free t-shirt out to one of the Patreon members each month. Um, and a lot of little things sharing our regional teams from players within the Volt Club and things like that, that really kind of amps up the, you know, the urge to maybe support us in different ways. Um, some of those paintings are really cool too, and they, they can be printed at any size. So that's something, uh, that's to me is really exciting. You know, I've a lot of these paintings have been sitting on the shelf for years. So to be able to like hand them out to Pokemon enjoyers is awesome. Yeah. So I'm also going to go ahead and announce it right now. 
that we will be doing an Indigo Disc DLC giveaway for one of the tours coming up once we once it releases. So join up on our tours. Support our YouTube, Patreon, help us help other players. And now for our special interview from Peoria, Illinois. Awesome. Good morning, Billy Bolt VGC here with Nick Navarre, also known as Nails. Um, we're hanging outside the Peoria Civic Center. Uh, it's day two of Swiss, um, talking with Nails, just kind of reviewing his team and looking at it. It's a really interesting team. Um, Nick, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So uh, I've got Grassy Seed King Gambit with the classic Sword Stance, Catch Out, Sucker, and Protects. Um, the meta lane's pretty physical, so there's a lot of Intimidate, which uh, just gives King Gambit the opportunity to get its free plus one. And it goes kind of crazy if it gets that. Um, and the grassy seed also helps respond to the physically oriented meta um, just by letting it um, tank a lot more hits than people are used to it tanking. Um, especially with like the grassy terrain recovery, and uh, uh, it it just goes a long way. Um, and people, a lot of them, aren't really prepared to deal with um, gambit that. Uh, lives through a lot of hits like um if you, if you have iron hands as your response uh to gambit um after a terra dark and a grassy seed and an intimidate uh it's dealing about 30 percent with a drain punch and if that's your uh main iron hands counter you just kind of get uh wrecked by it um yeah and, it's really interesting hearing that because that's a combo you know like playing Gambit and like looking at it coming into Peoria it was something that like Iron Hands was a counter that I knew I would see a lot and it scared me so like seeing how you build around that and like countered into it is really interesting and um, it's something that like I struggled into Gambit matchups and it's so strong once it gets set up it's you know it's really scary. Yeah um, I, I felt like Kaman just was well positioned and I wanted to um, see if I could just flip the script on some of its usual counters and that was what I came up with when I did. Um, I mean, it didn't go amazingly in my losses, but it felt good in my wins, so I don't know. I'm sitting out here instead of playing today, but it, um, it tested really well on ladder, and so I'm a bit disappointed that I'm not um, in day two right now. That's awesome. So do, do you think that, like, playing yesterday, I kind of noticed that the meta is very widespread right now and that there's a lot of matchups that, like, were kind of unexpected for me. Is that something that you ran into yesterday? Um, yeah, no, the meta is just quite diverse. It hasn't really stabilized on anything. I do think it's going to end up uh, just with Cheese Butter uh, establishing itself as one of the best ways to play the game, but um, we just haven't really hit that uh, level of, um, like, it's the first tournament, so people haven't, uh, like, figured that out yet. Um, but... Yeah, the, the meta just has a lot of threats to respond to, and um, the new stuff is pretty good, and so it shook up the meta more than a lot of people were expecting it would. Uh, uh, like, at the tail end of Reg G, when we saw the format, there were a lot of calls that it would just be Reg G Part 2, and uh, that's not the case. Yeah. Yeah, it was really interesting to see the variety of the teams out there and some of the creativity, too. And then dealing with like the Ivy Cudgel Crits was something that I think every player was kind of adjusting to dealing with. Yeah, uh, Ogre Pond's just very, very strong. And uh, dealing with that guy 
is also just a, a, a headache for sure. Yeah. Um, so we're going to be uh, dealing with them uh, for at least a little while until Incinero drops. Yeah. So do you think that like after this, that Elgar Pond's usage will rise or lower? Um, do you know what it was uh, on day one? Um, I think it fell around like fourth or fifth. Um, that right doesn't feel middle. like it's high enough. Um, like it, it should probably be the second most used mon uh, right after Fluttermane. Yeah, yeah, um, I kind of agree with that. I feel like it'll probably rise a little bit. It felt really strong in all the matchups that I faced against it. It was, you know, really a yeah, problem just, if I couldn't make the reads right and it got to move off. It was. Yeah, the the terrifier. Um, yeah, it just deals way too much damage. Like, uh, you can. I, I played a bulky landers at this tournament. I switched it in and I took seventy five from uh, an Ivy Casual, and that's just it's more than I was planning on taking, and it kind of kind of kudged me. Yeah, yeah, that was something I had to adjust to as well. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me, Nick. It was really nice to meet you. Meet you too. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. This has been a Pokevolt Club original broadcast.